0: Pops in a pod.
1: Pops in a pod. Hi, this is Peter Pop. Welcome to another episode of Pops in a Pod.
0: And I am Nadar Pop. And Peter, fun times are back. And we are back with another episode of Entrepreneur Parent.
1: Yeah. You know, in the last few months that we've been doing this, right, we've seen such a variety of parents. And it's so interesting to see people taking the dive into entrepreneurship. I mean, we last spoke to Nikhil Kapoor, who runs the uh, health resort Atmanthan. But if you remember the initial episodes we did, we also spoke to uh, Meghna and Shorvi from Slurp Farm, who were looking into, you know, millets and, you know, making that kids' food. So it's such a variety.
0: Absolutely. And um, just like all those entrepreneurs that we spoke in the past today, we have with us Pooja Sardana. Now, Peter, if you notice there is a certain pattern that we've come across, right? So these entrepreneurs, they are associated to premier education institutes. They have tremendous industry experience, right? And then after trying out various things in their lives, they take that plunge into entrepreneurship. And that's exactly what Pooja Sardana has done. She's uh, a graduate from IIM Ahmedabad. She's worked with companies like Unilever, GSK. And now she has started just a couple of years ago a footwear brand called Scudo. Uh, apart from that, she's uh, also a mom to two kids and uh, a serial traveler. She's traveled to over 60 countries
1: uh, with her family and 30 alone with her kids. You know, honestly, it's such a fascinating conversation with Pooja. So I think let's straight get into it. Hi, Pooja. Welcome to Pops in a Pod.
2: Thank you so much, Peter and Nader. It's wonderful to be here.
1: You know, it's so nice to have you on the podcast, especially after we did our Instagram live uh, earlier this month so it's good to have you now on a platform that we're hosting
2: it was my first uh, you know insta live and it was awesome to have you guys on because uh, like I said I mean parents uh, everybody knows parents get involved but how much do dads get involved is always a question mark and the answer totally depends on who you're asking that question to uh, but in the case of shoes, we found a much higher involvement, uh, you know, parents buying shoes. 30% of them are dads. So you guys made the perfect, you know, launch pad for our Insta life.
0: Thanks so much for that, Pooja. And we also realized when we were talking to you on, on the Insta life that um, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you're obviously a, a, a parent and we wanted to understand your journey um, moving from your corporate job and then getting into this world of entrepreneurship and that's exactly how how we also like to understand journeys of of such parents um what what we did um notice uh, one thing what you know while we were looking you up and reading more and more about scudo um, is the fact that there's this book born to run clearly played some kind of a role in the idea of scudo we, we, we haven't read the book um but, but could you tell us what that book did exactly um, for your journey when it came to Scudo?
2: So you're absolutely right. This book Born to Run actually played quite an important role in my journey. And uh, it was much before I thought of entrepreneurship as an option at all. I, in the traditional sense, never considered myself as an entrepreneur. I was very happy. My life has always been a very, uh, you know, clear pathway, structure you know, come first in school, come first in college, join the biggest institute, join the biggest company. And, you know, it's all very, very structured. Uh, So entrepreneurship was never, um, you know, something I had considered quite seriously. And Born to Run uh, is a book I got into because like any, uh, most mums will tell you, uh, you know, a year after their child is born, there is that zeal to say, okay, now let me get back uh, on track, let me try and get fit again. And in that, I found out that, you know, uh, people started running marathons at the age of 35 and uh, went on to run some of the most, you know, tough races uh, on the planet and all. And that gave me a lot of joy because I'd never been an active child either. Uh, and I said, okay, if these guys can do it at 35, I can do this at 30. And I said, okay, let me get all the books because that's the methodology I'm used to. Let me read every possible book on running. So I read Born to Run. I read uh, Haruki Murakami's is uh, what I talk about when I talk about running. And I started running. Uh, but Born to Run played an important role because it left me with this basic, uh, you know, strong sense that However, much the market uh, and brands have talked about footwear and how it needs to be for people to achieve a certain kind of performance uh, across sport and particularly running, you know, people are born to run, humans are born to run, and therefore the foot structure is essentially made in a way uh, that they don't need performance enhancement uh, from, uh, you know, getting footwear externally. And that left a very strong uh, impression on me. So for myself, of course, I went down the barefoot route and I got myself Vivo Barefoot Shoes and you know the Vibram Five Fingers and all of that.
1: Wow. So you're one of yeah, those. I... For some reason, mainstream media has really spoiled me, but I can actually, when you're talking about all of this, I can only picture Milan Sonam and his mom kind of running, right? There's all that that the media feeds you.
2: Yeah, true. So I know I've started many a conversation because of those Vibram five fingers. They look, um, they don't look pretty to say the least. Look damn husband...
0: freaky. The first time I saw it, I was like, no, <laughs> no this, this will give me nightmares.
2: <laughs> so that's how I found Vivo Barefoot because my husband refused to be seen with me wearing Vibram five fingers. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> Sorry to say, but I don't blame him.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, <more do> I. <laughs> but uh, that was my reward to myself for actually running half the uh, the half marathon for the first time saying that wow. hai, I can because they're super expensive those shoes uh, you know there's some 10,000 uh, bucks or so and I was like I can't really buy it I don't even run so till I do one half marathon and I prove that I can actually run that distance I'm not investing um, so, so that's uh, what I did. And uh, when I wore Vivo barefoot, I realized that, you know, there is a fun- fundamental difference in how I was interacting with the ground, how I was running my stride and everything. And then it struck me ki if it makes so much of a difference to a grown up's life, then it is so much more relevant for children because their feet are still developing. And that set me on this path of looking for shoes for my own uh, daughter at that time. And I couldn't find anything. And then began the cycle of, every time we go abroad or anyone is coming, send them Vivo barefoot, ka some whatever is available. It'll arrive. We'll find the size is wrong. We'll wait for a year. Then we'll make the son also wear it because, you know, it's so many shoes, kind of a thing. Um, so that, that was very close to my heart. And uh, when I went into this whole space of entrepreneurship, it was more from a, personal development journey of saying that, uh, you know, I have worked in a very structured environment all my life. And for my personal growth, now I need to move out of that comfort zone of saying, you know, the impact that a that even a general manager can make uh, on a brand is frankly, plus minus five, 10% of market share. I wanted to step outside of that and say, what can I make on my own entirely on my own and go into the deep end of the pool Uh, And entrepreneurship sounded right. Uh, Little realizing that it's the deep end of the ocean, not the deep end of the pool. Uh, I jumped into it. And uh, one sort of thing that I took comfort from is that uh, it should be close to something that I feel passionately about. And that's where, you know, this whole space of footwear uh, came in, uh, because uh, I mean, having worked in GSK on Horlicks and all the life stage nutrition, I had a very good understanding of the kids segment. And I feel very strongly about parenting and, you know, uh, children's development and here is footwear. So all of it came together very well to, uh, you know, a very clear path of saying, okay, uh, we want to play in the kids space. Uh, We want to play in, um, you know, uh, footwear, because that's a place that one can actually make a fundamental difference in and a product that is actually delivering value uh, to kids. Unlike, you know, garments at the end of the day, a t-shirt is a t-shirt, you can only make it cuter. (laughs) Um, But with shoes, you can deliver actual value, which is what I strongly believed in. And of course, outdoor play, Um, you know, because that's again, one aspect of child development that is uh, uh, undervalued. Uh, we felt and and the most interesting part is I actually found my co-founders like this because I was thinking of this idea on my own and I was like let me figure out how to approach this because you know it's it's a blue ocean I don't know what to do and uh, one of my colleagues that I used to work with uh, Kanan uh, I just had a corridor chat with him one day and I said what are you up to and he said I'm quitting and I'm thinking of launching kids shoes I was like, whoa, <laughs> that, you know, that, that serendipity. So his wife, Parul, actually our third co-founder uh, had been thinking independently of this idea over, a, over the last couple of years. And it, uh, you know, we we got together, the chemistry work, we spent a lot of time just clarifying what, where, you know, whether these three things appealed to each one of us and whether our vision was aligned about the product and everything. And it it came together Very nicely. So yeah, that's from born to run to to scudo.
1: Wow. So you've taken us kind of quickly or quite briefly through that journey. But before we go on talking more about scudo, right? I want to know, and this is especially for our, our listeners, for a lay person, right? How would you kind of explain what's the difference between footwear for adults? Because that's what most of us are familiar with, right? A lot of the literature kind of says that. And footwear for kids? How would you kind of distinguish that?
2: Um, So actually, we spoke to, we we did two things. We observed kids um, in the playground, in the car, in their homes, in their schools. And we saw their behavior because that's probably the fastest way of getting, uh, you know, where the pain points are. And we used to see that kids typically, but if allowed, will take off their shoes and play. So there was something that was bothering them. Um, And we spoke to experts and we asked them that, you know, if if kids seem to be so bothered by shoes, what do you need for the right shoe? And uh, the eye opening statement was that, you know, kids feet are fundamentally different from those of adults. Whereas footwear, uh, whatever you see in the market today, you can pick up the biggest brand or something from China or something from Karol Bagh is essentially a miniaturized version of an adult's shoe. Now, how is this different? Uh, There are three fundamental things that, uh, you know, pediatric orthopedics, podiatrists, and sports therapists told us. One was that, uh, you know, children's feet are actually growing and developing till the age of nearly uh, 12 for girls and 14 for boys. What that means is their musculature, their uh, bones, uh, their posture, balance, arch, all of it is still forming till the ripe old age of 12 to 14 years. Um, and not what parents, you know, start thinking about, Arey, has flat feet at four years old. You need to start looking at the arch only by the age of seven. So, so you know, the footwear, the foot development continues for long. And for this development to happen, children need a very high range of movement. So anybody who's been to a gym will know that, you know, any sort of muscle development needs high range of movement. And for that, children need a very high range of movement, which typical shoes uh, do not allow. In the case of adults, you know, uh, shoes become very specific to purpose. There is a running shoe and there's a walking shoe and there's an office shoe and there is a formal shoe and there is a tennis shoe and there's a cricket shoe and there's a football cleat. And they're very, very specific for specific movements. So tennis shoes prevent lateral, you know, they they have those lateral supports for the foot not to uh, twist. Uh, Running shoes have uh, a lot of cushioning for managing pronation and stuff like that. Uh, But kids don't work in such compartmentalized ways. If you look at them in the park, they'll run, jump, climb a tree, uh, climb backwards on the slide, lateral, vertical, torsional, all sorts of axes will move.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Yeah, you know, so you need shoes that allow for that kind of range of movement. Um, The second thing was uh, that children's feet are naturally wider from the front compared to adults' feet. And uh, when they run, for anyone actually, during activity, the toes uh, tend to spread and splay and recoil, splay and recoil. And there has to be that room in front for the toes to spread because that's what gives the body balance. Uh, And a sense of balance is what the child is still developing. So you need shoes that are wide fronted, so that there is that space for the toes to spread. And the third thing that experts told us is uh, something we'd never imagined, which is uh, ground feel, which is what I had read in want to Run, um, coming from experts like orthopedics and, you know, podiatrists and sports therapists also uh, held true for kids specifically because if you go into the adult world there is a lot of uh, uh, you know schools of thought which are not necessarily proven so there is a I mean ASICS is a whole brand on cushioning uh, and what they are doing is not wrong because the a grown up's foot is developed you have already developed over pronation or under pronation or whatever and you need support to uh, get the right stride but in the case of kids uniformly they said that ground feel is absolutely essential because the nerves at the bottom of the feet, uh, the nerves of the sole, send these signals to the brain that help in muscle, arch, bone, posture development. So when a child is walking on a soft surface versus hard surface, even surface versus uneven surface, all of this information actually helps the foot develop the arch. It helps the ankle, knee and hip joint align better. And therefore, flat, thin soles that allow the child to feel the contour of the ground is what experts suggested. Uh, So these were the three fundamental ways in which children's feet are different because they're developing. And they need shoes that actually support uh, this kind of development.
0: You know, it's very interesting, because you walked us through the entire process, and and you explain, um, you know, why we should not try and extrapolate whatever um, ideas, data that we get for adult feet, adult shoes, adult footwear? Because I don't think anyone would know what you just explained. And clearly, there's a lot of thought that has gone into this um, while you all were you must be researching, and and now clearly you know building this this business. Um, we we've read that um, before you started Scudo. Um, you did a short course at at the Footwear Design and Development Institute, Noida. I mean, we had no idea there's any such institute that even existed, right? And I mean, it's it's fascinating. No, it's seriously, it's so fascinating. And this is the beauty about meeting, uh, you know, people like you, Puja, because we also get to learn such interesting things. And and the fact that you've explained us, taken us through this entire journey means that you've clearly studied. And and with your journey of studying and you know being top of the class and going to premium institutes, that journey hasn't stopped. So. Uh, Please tell us about this institute and what all did you pick up?
2: Um, So, yeah, uh, this was, uh, you know, uh, so there were two journeys of learning in this thing. Uh, One was, of course, the expertise of understanding child development and the foot and uh, which is where, you know, a lot of the principles that these uh, experts told us were what I had read in Born to Run. And therefore, they resonated and they made sense. So that was the expertise journey uh, from a development and a child Uh, child's foot perspective. The other journey was actually designing footwear itself because uh, and that's where FDDI kind of uh, came into the picture Uh, because uh, you know shoes need to be like this but how do you go about designing a shoe like this because none of us have a background in uh, design or footwear industry. Uh, So we said uh, while we can get experts in to do this work nothing is better than knowing the basics yourself. And that's why we said that all three of us enrolled into a very short term, like a six-month course with uh, the Footwear Design and Development Institute in NOIDA, uh, which actually teaches the technical aspects of uh, footwear design uh, to all the students all over, uh, well, India. So, um, I mean, India is one of the largest, the second largest manufacturer of footwear in the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we are probably the largest exporter of leather footwear in the world. Uh, and uh, even as a hub, uh, you know, apart from Vietnam, China, uh, and other, you know, maybe some parts of Southeast Asia, India is another big hub for a lot of uh, manufacturing uh, of footwear. So be it Adidas, be it Nike, all of them have their own factories in India. And therefore, there is need for this sort of technical understanding of how, how a shoe is designed and developed uh, that is required. Uh, but a lot of this expertise, even with FDDI, is in the space of um, leather uh, footwear. What we learned over there was actually the very basics of saying that, from, and the most fascinating of those uh, you know lectures was how do you translate a 2D design into 3D? because that is the core challenge of a footwear uh, yeah, design yeah. and garments uh, you know because a little bit of loose a little bit tight it can be adjusted the leeway or the elbow room to be able to say after a, even a blouse which is like a complicated one once it is stitched you can go back to the you know machine and say thike, thoda kar do ya thoda tight. with footwear there is zero. Uh, room for manipulation. Once the product is made, it is made. If it is not perfect, it goes into the rubbish bin. Uh, so translating a 2D design into 3D was a very fascinating uh, process. Of course, now it's all technology-led, and you don't have to do it. But it was amazing to see how the professors over there, you know, they would uh, draw the 2D design, then cut it into strips, and then you know, stick it onto a, a 3D foot, uh, you know, mannequin, and then. Uh, Uh, you know, after sticking it, take it off and it becomes a 3D design. So that's the old school uh, way of uh, footwear design. Then uh, how do you grade sizes? So that was another interesting uh, thing because, you know, again, size gradation is about a hundred years old. Nobody in the world has bothered to update footwear sizing in the last 100 years. Nobody.
1: I, I know exactly the problem because I, and right now that's the issue with shoes in India, right? If I can interject, you have Indian size. You have uh, UK, US size and then you have European size. And all of it kind of varies. All of it is different. 10, 45. So buying shoes for me is really a nightmare.
2: No, and and uh, if Kanan was here, he would give you the exact details. He's like the product uh, you know, master for us. Uh, he knows it all inside out. He'll be able to tell you exactly what is the difference because they all start at a different length. Their intervals are different. And so... And now there is a Japanese and a Chinese size also because they've become big manufacturers. So it's a nightmare. And uh, what's worse is that nobody has done this work on um, the Indian foot, right? All of this is Videshi jayadad, which we have okay. been carrying. Okay. So the UK British sizes are what Bata will use and what we will use um, so what uh, was challenging was for us to even decide ki, achai, If you are going to make shoes from scratch for kids now, which sizing system do we choose? And uh, you know whether it fits Indian feet at all. So we did one other massive exercise with the FDDI to get children's foot measurements and try and translate them into some sort of a sizing wow. chart for ourselves wow. and see. And what we found is um, actually quite interesting that the f- width of the foot for kids in India is significantly higher. It's two sizes higher than as per the British or US chart. So if you're wearing a size 11.5 in UK, uh, the width of our scudo shoe is actually that of a 13.5 in UK.
1: Wow. So So we're definitely
0: not only... um, Wearing the wrong sizes, but it's—I'm assuming it's going to—it's affecting the foot also, right? In, in some way, whether it's your ankle or the way you walk or, or the way your foot plants on the ground, all of this matters, right?
2: Yes, yes. So uh, yeah, that's absolutely the thing because what happens is either you're wearing—if you have to fit the width for children—I mean, the biggest problem parents will say is key, I don't find a good wide-fitting shoe, so you end up buying two sizes higher. It's not uncommon. So if you're wearing for width then there is too much room in front of the foot. So when the child is running, the foot is moving inside. So the foot is not able to grip the ground. It is too busy. The muscles of the foot are too busy trying to grip the inside of the foot, which is also the problem with, I I wouldn't take brand names, but which is also the problem with the the clogs kind of a shoe. Uh, You know, It's easy slip on, uh, but it's so loose that the foot is too busy trying to get a grip inside the shoe that you can't really get a good grip on the surface that you're walking on. You've described described
1: my childhood very well. I must say (laughs) exactly. I faced all of this (laughs) while growing up, to be honest.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, So, you know, one of the problems is this, that you're not getting a grip and therefore arch is getting compromised or you're wearing a shoe that is, uh, you know, small and therefore very constricted. If, If it's fitting the length, it's not fitting the width and therefore you'll notice that toes have become very it's v shaped so my toes today are v shaped and if i and this is my another the other co-founder parul's favorite comparison that when you're getting into a lift with your helper just look at your own feet and look at the helper's feet the helper's feet are actually far healthier than your own because they will be wide you'll be able to see gaps between the toes which is exactly how feet are meant to be you know, we are conditioned to believe that that's ugly feet because they won't fit into sandals. And at least when I was growing up, that you, was... A you've made us surfboard. so conscious.
1: Nadir and I both are checking our feet right now. I was like, wow, this, this is fascinating. fascinating.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. but, but you know what? I, I I used to hate wearing shoes. Absolutely detested wearing shoes. Even, to, even today, I will not wear shoes if given the opportunity to even walk into... So my, my wife will always look at me and she'll be like... And I I'm, like, I'm sorry, but comfort, you know, trumps everything. And then she like, at least wear decent shoes. And like, Kya ho you know, like that that's how the, the the thinking is, and I'm so glad in a way that this lockdown is happening because I don't have to wear footwear at all. I don't have to wear anything. And that's the beauty. But Puja, I have one pertinent question which which you've um, you know you've kind of navigated us to that point which is you spoke about this whole sizing and comfort and you know if you were the wrong size, this is going to happen and if you were too tight or too loose you know various things can happen how does this entire piece unfold in your business um, which is I'm assuming primarily uh, e driven, right? People like to go and try out the shoes, see the fit, you know, see the design or whatever it is. So now that you've explained the process of sizes and everything, how does it work out for y'all?
2: So that's a very interesting uh, question, uh, Nadir, because uh, for the first, uh, actually pre-pandemic, for the first three, four months, uh, we used to have this as a barrier And as a huge cost for us, because uh, parents are in that mode that uh, one, there is a barrier that children's shoes, my size, I'm still more confident of. With kids, I have no clue because in the same brand, in the same Uh, design, my child can actually fit into two different sizes. So uh, people prefer to buy offline after the child has tried because sizing is one. The other is because when we were, you know, meeting with parents, we used to ask them, please open your child's footwear cupboard and show us. And there used to be this one large reject pile, which the parent cannot explain because what happened is we went shoe shopping. We wore one pair of shoes. Four chakras, it looks good. The child says, it doesn't look good. Second shop, four chakras, it looks good. Third shop, char four chakras, it looks good. By the fourth shop, the mother's like, it looks good. The child is now giving up and saying, okay, it looks good. And the mother's like, sure, not to come back and say, you're not going to say, you're and all of that. You know, they, give it to me in writing that you will actually wear this shoe because that's exactly what used to happen. That even offline, in an AC environment, the child will try and walk with the shoe and then they will come back when they go into the park in that sweaty heat uh, and try to climb a ladder they will realize that oh the shoe is pinching or biting so there were offline barriers also but they were even bigger when you come to online um, and the second problem that we faced as a business is that parents whoever wanted to shop offline would order four pairs of shoes and then return three So (laughs) logistics wise, we were like going negative uh, terribly, but uh, the pandemic in that sense actually uh, pushed us to find a solution to this because what we started doing during this time is because we couldn't dispatch shoes for about a month and a half, some six, eight weeks we were unable to dispatch. We actually started calling parents and we said, okay, why don't you give us the length of your child's foot and we will check whether the size you have chosen is correct or not. And uh, because the way scudo shoes are designed, uh, our fit is consistent across all styles. So whether you're buying a winger uh, glide or a winger fly or a ziggy zag, the fit will remain exactly the same. So with single measurement of foot length, we're able to guide the parent with the size. So that's what we have now started doing. We started it in the pandemic when we couldn't dispatch. We were all sitting twiddling our thumbs. We said, let's figure this sizing issue out. But it has paid off for us because now uh, we actually invite parents to do a free size consultation before they buy. Every order before dispatch is actually called, we ask them for the foot length. Uh, We confirm the correct size. 30% of the cases actually need a different size than they had ordered. Uh, So, you know, we we change all of that. We get the parents uh, confirmation that we are sending you this size now as per your measurement. And our exchanges are now under 7% consistently for the last one and a half year. Compared to industry average of 30. And I think a lot of uh, when, when people, uh, you know, come to shop, they look at our Google reviews. There's a whole section of Google reviews just dedicated to saying thank you for, you know, the sizing confirmation because otherwise the child is so disappointed when the shoe comes and, a size is now, <laughs> So that's like another nightmare for the parents. And you guys would know. then to say that, sorry kiddo, this isn't fitting. We're going to have to exchange it is one of those pain points.
1: Wow, Pooja, I cannot believe how much we've talked about. And it's all just about kids' shoes, right? If you, if anyone told us like some time ago that we'd actually do an entire episode just about this topic, I don't think Nader and I would have even thought about. But thanks so much for sharing all these details about us. Now, the episode we're doing is Entrepreneur Parents, right? Where we kind of understand also the entrepreneurship journey and understand your parenting journey. So... I did a bit of digging and one of the things I found fascinating about you is that your mother was a teacher. And for me, that kind of, I can connect or resonate with that is because my mother was a teacher also, and my mother-in-law is also a teacher. So when you, when you think about it, you know, the expectations that happen, the expectations that are there of teachers, kids, right? (laughs) <laughs> I am sure you've lived that. I've lived the exact same thing. But one thing... And, and history sort of repeats itself
0: because uh, so is Peter. <laughs> Peter also teaches uh, and so do I. We've been teaching for the
1: last like four, five years. But to come <laughs> to my question, right? Have you caught yourself kind of channeling the exact same behavior towards your kids? You know, the whole teacher's expectations. And how do you kind of keep it in check? Because you have two kids, right? Not just one.
2: Actually... Uh... In, in my case, the teacher's expectations played very differently, because there was this weird point in time, I think around class eight or something that my mom was actually my teacher as well. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, it played at uh, multiple levels where even if my answers were right, you would say I can't appear to be, you know, biased. So I will give wow. you two marks less. So, <laughs> Sorry,
1: did, did your mom ever give you a remark or anything because you didn't do homework or did something wrong?
2: No, I think that's why I was such a sincere because, wow. you know, my mom was a teacher, so I couldn't go anywhere. Otherwise, I have it in my DNA, but, and I can see that in my daughter also, she's super sincere and which is why I think my son is the exact opposite and I'm being taught a lesson. But <laughs> Uh, so so with her being around she used to keep uh, I mean there's nowhere to hide so all my uh, you know that the craziness came out in college where uh, so in school I was this very very good very sincere student with every teacher saying this you know child has a killer instinct you've got a winner on your hands kind of a thing and till class 12 everything was great and then I got to college and realized now no one's watching over me so I used to be the one putting in proxy attendance for the 20% Twenty percent of the class and just walking out of the class and wow. stuff like that so in college, but um, I think at a at a uh, being a teacher, uh, I think really helped my mom develop a perspective on the range of development over time and across kids that happens. Uh, so she was never one to push and feel like oh you know the child is falling behind in this or you know I need her to push in that or I need so and so to do so so you know she had a very balanced perspective because she had the benefit of seeing so many kids over so many years and I think that is the benefit she has passed on to me also when I get anxious as a parent and I'm like you know uh, my son and you know he's he's almost seven now and online classes just aren't working how will he ever catch up and she's like Deep breathe. You know, there is no such thing as he'll be left behind because different children learn at different stages. So, you know, look at what he's being able to do because he's sitting at home. You know, he's cracking Legos on his own. He's he's like trying to repair cars on his own. So, just give him his time and space. And I think uh, it's the positive impact of that uh, teacher's perspective that I'm hoping I get uh, to to my parenting. Though I'm sure my children will crib about the rules I make. And the timetables <laughs> that time I'm fond of, which it
0: does not. <laughs> yeah. There's another very interesting aspect about about your life, which we've we've seen that you do a lot of traveling, right? And and you you clearly encourage your kids also to, to travel a lot with you. I think thirty odd countries that you've traveled. Um, two, two parts two parts of this question, the kind of learning and experience that comes through travel, and this massive full stop that we are all facing because we cannot travel so what was it like to fill in those shoes and then come out of those shoes and still waiting to wear those shoes
2: yeah, yeah. so I think um, my husband is the travel crazy person I mean thanks to him uh, he helped me challenge all those uh, you know mental barriers to say how will we travel with a child um, and uh, you know when my daughter was uh, three months old we actually did Mexico, Cuba and US West Coast, Uh, like that kind of a a three month old. And, um, you know, somewhere we were very clear that and I personally felt that uh, there is this tendency amongst women, at least this is now 10 years ago, uh, to put, you know, ourselves on a pedestal and say, okay, motherhood and this thing, I, I have to be a mother and therefore, Everything else has to take a back seat, and you know I cease to exist at least for some time, and then you rediscover. अच्छा up, the child is in class four five. I'm not required so much now. Let me reinvent my identity. That was the typical journey. Whereas, uh, thanks to my husband's pushing, I was like, okay, I don't have to stop doing things that I like doing. You know, and and being a a person who's richer from perspective will actually make me a better person for my kids as well. Uh, and that's where we said that okay, we will continue to travel. And then, and when we started doing it, we realized ki, achha, this is the hidden secret. It is the easiest thing to travel with children as long as they haven't turned one, they are not moving too much, they have simple food needs. It is matab, iska toh, you should make the best of this time and travel as much as you like because the minute they are two, then it then, then you know the challenges start coming. How do you entertain them during the flight and how do you manage screen time? And then they will have their tantrums. And then they want their, you know, company of their age group. So you can't really go, you know, traveling up in the Torres del Paine for a 40-day trek. So those kind of things can't happen. So so yeah, so we made the best of that. Uh, Fortunately, our children have also turned out to be quite uh, travel-happy children. So they're, they're now very involved in the whole planning and uh, we were <laughs> very involved in the planning. And uh, I think we all have those internal clocks that every three months there is that achapto, we have to switch off and go. So the pandemic has been really, really painful in that sense uh, for all of us. Uh, I, I think we all have uh, lost a lot because of those mental and physical resets that used to happen every three months. Are missing now for almost the last holiday we went for was in uh, January 2020 to Kenya. Uh, And since then, we really haven't been out for a holiday. I mean, you do two days in the hills is not, I mean, we cut off. We go out for three weeks, we go out for a month, we don't do two day holidays. So it's been painful uh, like that. But um, yeah, I think uh, we will get back on track sometime and hopefully. Uh, right now the cases are low. We're all praying if there is any contribution I can make to the coronavirus uh, not spreading further. I'll be happy to make it. I'm sure we all feel that way. But you're dying to get back, uh, uh, but get back into a flight someday soon, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. My son is so fascinated with traveling because we also have been traveling with him while he's really young. So the other day he actually came to me and I was talking to him. I was like, Hey, what are you thinking about? And he says. I want to go in a plane, really high, like the birds. And I was like, oh my God, like even (laughs) I wish that, (laughs) but soon,
2: soon. (laughs) Our kids are privileged to have that uh, as a desire. So that's that's really good for them. Um, But the other bit that you said, you know, what is the benefit of all of this travel and uh, learning from that? I've, I've actually been thinking, I think I wrote a blog post about that uh, when I started traveling, when we started traveling with kids, that there's so much learning perspective and all of that. But over a period of time, you know, what I've realized is um, that it brings in a kind of exposure, uh, uh, an ability to step out of what you always see and see something completely different, a different kind of people, a different way of living, a different perspective and nothing can open up your mind, like being able to see and accept differences. And I think travel is one of the best ways of assimilating and accepting differences without becoming defensive about who you are or what you hold here. So so yes, there is a lot of about, you know, fearlessness and ready to uh, take on things and and inner confidence that comes. But to me, I think one of the most fundamental things that is, I feel necessary in bringing up kids today is the ability to accept differences without getting defensive about who you are or what you believe. And travel is a very, very safe way of making that happen.
1: Pooja, I'm going to be honest with you. The next time Nadir and I do an episode on travel, we're 100% getting you back. But I think <laughs> it's better to do it in better times and when we all can actually travel and compare notes. But I don't actually, want to jinx
0: it at all. Every time we have planned something during this pandemic, it has got cancelled. And I, I'm, I'm going to risk uh, right now doing something in October, just take four or five days off, go somewhere close by. But we are just so worried that <laughs> yeah, it will also be cancelled. So, but uh, Pooja, thank you so much for sharing your journey. We we had a wonderful time. We learned so much. I mean, uh, from the outside, you, you look at footwear as just one thing that you require in your life. But we understood you know, the kind of process that you have... In, and it, and it shows I think clearly from your experience having worked in the industry studied uh, after being so successful in the corporate world and then you know teaming up with, with your friends and colleagues to kind of build this 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 beautiful business that you have and we kind of wish you the best and hopefully this pandemic should end for everyone <laughs> so that we can go back to normal lives.
2: Fast up and be careful and all of that whatever we can do to make it end. <laughs> but it's it's been wonderful uh, talking to you guys um, like i said even in the insta live that it's it's amazing to be able to talk to uh, men as parents and you know, like get a father's perspective. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by the podcast, and I'm glad that uh, y'all are getting a lot of different kinds of people to talk about their journeys. And I saw that a lot of them are actually men. Um, So from a, from a mom's perspective, like I say, everything is very important uh, to moms. I think we are, we are like very protective about this whole I have to do a lot of things and also it's good to sometimes listen to the other side of the story and realize that you don't need to be so wound up also (laughs) about parenting so it's wonderful to have uh, you know being able to listen to that side without again because it's not your own spouse you don't judge so much so (laughs) it's a great podcast to have as well so thank you for having me as well.
1: Right. Th- th- thanks so much, uh, Pooja. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing travel pictures. That's what I'm going to be optimistic about. And uh, also a lot to see from shoes. So yeah, my son is almost there, but definitely we're going to be placing an order soon.
2: Right. And wish you guys a lot of travel in the coming months. Please, all of us.
0: Thank, thank, thank you, Pooja. You. And good luck with everything. Thanks a lot. You know, Peter, the interesting part about Pooja's business is not the fact that it's a footwear brand. And I have come across this brand multiple times. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I couldn't buy it. My daughter is in that growth spurt phase, right? So buying shoes, any kind of shoes right now, um, specialized shoes or expensive shoes, makes doesn't make sense because she'll grow out of it in six months. And uh, that's that's just not... That's just not how I I want to kind of invest in in good footwear. And now that we've heard Pooja and the kind of research and the science behind designing that shoe, all the more reason why you want to kind of keep it slightly later, right? But you know what, Peter, there's something very interesting that I noticed about the website, the Scudo website. And it's the fact that um, whenever you go shopping, right, for kids, whether it's apparels or footwear, there's always this distinction, this is really weird distinction, you know, you have the boys aisle and you have the girls aisle. And in the, in the boys section, you'll always find these exciting colors and the choices are so much more, it's, it's all action oriented, you've got animals and rockets and whatnot. And then you enter the girls section, right, then it's all pinks and lilacs and bling and shiny stuff and dolls and hearts and whatnot. And my wife and I, we just we just hate it, right? But on the Scudo website, I noticed that there is no such distinction, right? So I was trying very hard to look, okay, maybe the boys' shoes are different or maybe the girls' shoes are different. But no, it's all unisex and anyone can buy anything. And even the name of their products are very unisex, right? So Zigzag and Winger and very
1: action-oriented. And I really love that about Scudo. So actually... I would beg to differ when it comes to the colors because for my son, I always feel that it's the same colors <laughs> with, with the girls. You have more variety and more choice. But uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, why kind of condition them at a very young age with uh, colors and kind of make them feel that this color is for boys or this color is for girls. So uh, kudos uh, to Pooja and her team uh, for doing that. Kudos to skudos. (laughs) (laughs) I I resisted that, but okay, you had to say it. But, uh, you know, one thing I really picked up from our conversation with her, and I kind of brought it up also, that I know exactly what she was talking about. Because as an athlete growing up, I know that's the same problem I faced, right? Where you're wearing the wrong kind of footwear. And there was no education. There was no awareness, especially in for younger kids as adults, of course, now we have, right. And you see it on your online website. So when you go to a physical store, people ask you like, what purpose do you need the shoe for? Right. It's not like I need a shoe and just one uh, all purpose shoe. Right. So just understanding the distinction between adult shoes and kids shoes. I think that's something I really took. And I think I hope our listeners also picked up on that.
0: Absolutely. And um, it's amazing the kind of experience that Pooja and her partners have put into the Scudo brand. Um, I think this should be uh, a, a stepping point for all the young entrepreneurs out there, especially who are who've also embarked on their their parenting journey to, you know, look up to somebody like a Puja and see what research and what experience can do to your business and your brand. So yeah, I
1: mean, that's one mighty
0: lesson that I have picked up from this episode.
1: So that's all from us uh, from this episode. If uh, you are an entrepreneur, and you're a parent also, Do get in touch with us uh, and maybe we'll feature you on an upcoming episode. You can reach out to us at popsinapod at gmail.com.
0: Or you can search for us on Google now because uh, yeah, we are there on on Google and you'll see various links. You'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on Facebook. You'll also find our website, which is www.popsinapod.in. And yeah, just uh, like us, share our stuff and um, let us know what you think about our
1: podcast. So until next week, see you then.